We'll hear argument next to number 97461, uh, Wisconsin Department of Corrections versus Schacht. Mr. Moriarty. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the court. In this action, substantial federal questions were presented by the individual capacity claims respondent chose to make against Warden Catherine Ferry and the other Wisconsin employees who are defendants in this action. He sued them personally under a federal statute, Section 1983, alleging violations of the federal Constitution. Substantial federal questions were presented. Had this action proceeded in district court on an initial complaint, the district court would unquestionably have had original jurisdiction because substantial federal questions were presented. The potential had this commenced in district court. The potential that those claims could have been barred by a sovereign immunity defense, or any of those claims could have been barred by a sovereign immunity defense, would not have affected original jurisdiction of the court. This case instead was removed, arrived by removal rather than an initial complaint. The analysis? It was removed in effect by the state. It was removed by the state and the employees of the state sued both personally and officially. Right. Now, if you're right that the official capacity claims and the claims against the state uh, involve defendants who aren't persons under Section 1983, why didn't the state just waive its 11th Amendment immunity? I mean, you were perfectly safe. Claims weren't going to go forward under 1983. Did the state consider waiving the 11th Amendment immunity? Your Honor, there are... I mean, if you're right, I, I just don't see... Why the state didn't do it? I, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. We return back to the decision on whether to remove. The claims as to which sovereign immunity applied were really irrelevant because whether this case was prosecuted in federal court or state court, well, it would have been barred. Would you answer my question? Did the state waive its immunity? It did not waive its immunity. But your position is it those claims against the official capacity claims and the claims against the state cannot proceed under 1983 because the state isn't a person. That's correct. Okay. So why not waive it? Why not end this thing? I just, it's, it's the strangest posture. We are now looking back, Your Honor, at, uh, from the perspective of the Seventh Circuit decision at the initial removal decision. At the time of removal, the claims made against the state were clearly barred either under will, in, in both state, state and federal court, either under will uh, because it wasn't within the definition of a person or based on 11th Amendment immunity or sovereign immunity in state court. The real crux of the case was the individual capacity uh, claims made against the individual. And as to that, you wanted it tried in federal court, not state court. That's so why not waive the 11th Amendment immunity? Because that's not a price of admission to the federal court, Your Honor. Well, maybe, maybe it should be. Uh, if, if we could start all over, it would seem to me to make some sense that if the state removes, the, that is a waiver of the 11th Amendment. It seems rather odd that you want to go to a court and then say, I don't want to be in the court. It's by 
joining with the officials sued personally in removing, which is required by the removal statutes. The state is not saying we want to be in court, we don't want to be in court. Obviously, they're in court. Well, you have, question to, you is have what, to consent, as you indicate. You had to consent to the removal. You had the option to keep it in state court. But you consented to be removed to federal court. You removed it. Certainly, it was a litigation decision by all of the defendants joining together. But the, sovereign, the 11th Amendment is a defense. It is not part of the initial threshold jurisdictional question. Is there a substantial federal question? Of course there is. Well, Mr. Moyer, I remember asking the counsel in the Chicago case that we heard that the same one thinks of, uh, of federal courts as being a place where you can get away from local prejudice and that sort of thing. But one would think that the state of Wisconsin would be perfectly happy to be in the state court. I gather that isn't always the case. It isn't always the case. In individual cases, for example, we have strictly federal constitutional claims here, a body of federal constitutional law that is developed, particularly in the Seventh Circuit, where there's binding precedent on the district courts. There would not be that binding precedent on the state courts. If, as a litigator... But I'm, what difference does it make so long as you're going to stand on the 11th Amendment? All this knowledge that the federal courts have about federal law, as far as the state is concerned, is irrelevant. And as to that, um, the last piece of this, I mean, you, you say we have a right to remand because the 11th Amendment is in the nature of defense. Of defense. It's not uh, like the existence of federal question jurisdiction or diversity. The end of the road, as far as the state is concerned, as distinguished from the individuals, you, do, do, you, do you concede that the federal court entertaining your 11th Amendment plea should remand and, rather than dismiss? Uh, answering the second question first, I do not concede that. The federal court had federal question jurisdiction. It had it. It would have had it had an initial complaint been filed. It had it on removal. Uh, it is inappropriate for the court to, dis, to remand um, claims that are properly before it and that were properly dismissed by the district court um, through, that, through the full litigation. But then I occurred. don't understand, because what you're saying by your 11th Amendment plea, the 11th Amendment not applying in the state court, whatever state immunity mm. applies, that you cannot be sued any place, that you are just totally immune because you do this you go over to the federal court and say, federal court, you can't touch it because of the 11th Amendment, and dismiss the case, and then no one can touch it. Right. The, when 11th Amendment applies, generally it's dismissal without prejudice, such that if it... But then you do this over and over again. You, it's without prejudice, yes, then you begin again in the state court, and then you tra move, remove it, and you could do that over and over again. We had here, however, claims under Section 1983 that were barred in any court regardless. The state court, the federal court would... But that's would a different barred. issue. You don't want... You're saying you're the state... We're the state, you can't touch us, so we don't get to the question of whether you're a person under 1983, whether you're barred. That's... I could understand your argument better if you, if you said what we were really trying to do was to get those officers with their individual capacity complaints over into the federal court. Of course we're not going to say we can manipulate the process by immunizing the state from having any court. That's precisely what we were trying to do, Your Honor. The claims as to the state 
the official capacity claims and the claims against the state agency were irrelevant to the removal decision. The point was we were going to have litigation on the individual capacity claims. Those are the ones that the district court spent time on. The district court spent a paragraph on the official capacity claims. So did we in our briefs, essentially. So, so what I'm not certain, please correct me if I yes. don't understand the posture of this, but I thought that these, the, the, the plaintiff has, has sued the state, i.e. the official capacity ones, and also a number of individuals. And then the whole case is removed to federal court. And everybody wins. The defendants won. All right. Now, the, the, the Seventh Circuit sent the whole case back to the state court. And that was the problem. Why should it send back the part against the individuals? Isn't that what's bothering everybody? I mean, it, the, the, part about the, the part about the state, I would think, of course, they should send back that claim. I mean, that claim, you've asserted the 11th Amendment, has no business in federal court. It's pendant to the others, or it's one claim out of many. And you go back to state court and try it out in the state court. Am I right? It could be tried, certainly, in the state court. However, Your Honor, well, I'm trying to find out what the issue is here. I mean, is anyone saying, I, I thought there is a pretty clear mistake. The clear mistake was in sending all these other claims, the ones not involving the state, back to the state court. Am I right about that? I don't believe you're right. Good. All right. Then explain, explain what I'm missing. The issue that I see is the broader issue of what kind of a system are we going to have that is simple and effective for removal, that is simple and effective for determining jurisdictional questions, that is simple and effective for determining 11th Amendment immunity. What happens in this individual case is actually irrelevant. You know, maybe there's no way of straightening out, me out. I'm trying to figure out what happened in the individual case. Fine. I thought there are actions against the state and there are actions against people that aren't the state. And I thought the Seventh Circuit sent the whole kit and caboodle back to state court. It did. Now, that's wrong, isn't it? It was wrong in doing that. All right. But is there anything wrong about their sending back the action against the state to state court? As a matter of jurisdiction, yes. What? As a matter of discretion, it may not have been. Ah. They they turned on jurisdiction and said there was not removal jurisdiction at the threshold of this case. They should have used a different reason. The normal way to do it would be to say, well, we decide all the other claims. But the one about the state itself on official capacity, that's barred by the 11th Amendment. So we send that one back, like a pendant claim. That's your view of how it should have worked. If, if in fact, there is authority to do that so you're going to end as up, a matter of discretion. Yeah, and so you're going to end up in the state court anyway. We might. The result might be the same. But as a matter of discretion, leaving intact the vital differences between jurisdictional analysis, discretionary analysis, 11th Amendment. And you're changing the answer to the question. Originally, you said, no, no, we're we're saying federal court, the only thing you can do with the state is dismiss it, not remand. And now, I think in response to Justice Breyer's question, you're kind of saying, well, maybe not. Maybe there's discretion to remand. But you have no discretion unless you have authority in the first place. That's correct, Justice Ginsburg, and it is precisely the point. And I'm sorry, I thank you for tightening that. On the issue of jurisdiction, do we, did the district court have jurisdiction? Must the appellate court remand one or more of these claims as a matter of jurisdiction? Must they? No. Well, may may I interrupt you on on that point? It may be that there are two different jurisdictional issues involved here. 1441 
talks, uh, I, I think, quite plainly about uh, constitutional subject matter jurisdiction. That's what you're assuming, and I, I, I agree with you. But 1447C talks simply about subject matter jurisdiction, not original jurisdiction, but subject matter jurisdiction. And it may well be uh, that, given the way this Court has, has construed the 11th Amendment, that there was federal question jurisdiction for 1441 purposes, so that the case was properly removed. But once the 11th Amendment uh, defense was raised, the court no longer had subject matter jurisdiction within the meaning of 1447C and therefore was obligated to remand for that purpose. Would would that be a possibility? I I don't believe it would fall within the 1447 issue because I do believe subject matter jurisdiction in 1447C goes to subject matter jurisdiction over the action, not over a particular claim. Here, unquestionably, throughout well, the case... Well, yeah, but isn't that a, a, a matter of semantics? I mean, it's an, it's an action insofar as it's against the state, and insofar as it's against state officers in official capacity, that's the case against them. Uh, and so far as the case against them is concerned, isn't subject matter jurisdiction lost once the 11th Amendment defense is raised? I don't believe so, Your Honor, because... Claims within an action are not parceled out in that fashion. I believe the... Well, you just agreed. I thought you just agreed with Justice Breyer that they could be parceled out in that fashion because uh, we, we, can, we can split the claims against the, the individuals, the individual responsibility claims from the government claims. So you're parceling them out. When we get to the discretionary issue, far from the jurisdictional issue. In yeah, other words, when we're looking at jurisdiction to begin with... Why, why, why can it be parceled when the court is acting on a discretionary power, but not be parceled when the court is considering whether it has a mandate? Based on this court's decisions that, for example, in the city of Chicago, the court had original, had federal question jurisdiction over the entire action, over all the claims in the action, because of the federal claims. But it, it, surely it's not your position, Mr. Moriarty, that the 11th Amendment is a bar to the claims of, against the defend, individual defendant. Certainly not. And those then would, would be litigated in the district court under a correct ruling? Is it? The, uh, those claims. The district court had federal question jurisdiction on removal. Therefore, it could dispose of the 11th Amendment barred claims. On 11th, it could dispose of the claims against the state, either based on the definition of 1983 or based on the 11th Amendment immunity. But now let, let's put the 11th, the 11th Amendment immunity that you pleaded, in your view, requires dismissal of the action as against the, the state and the official capacity defendant. Correct. But it does not require dismissal as to the individual defendant. Correct. So the, the district court could properly adjudicate those claims? The, certainly, the individual capacity claims. Yes. The may, may I ask this? Uh, un, under Wisconsin law, can the attorney general, uh, by his or her own determination, waive the Eleventh Amendment in federal court? No, that's been uh, it's in the statutes, and it's also been litigated. The attorney general does not have authority to waive 11, uh, sovereign immunity under the Wisconsin Constitution. Only the legislature has the authority. So only the legislature can uh, waive the 11th Amendment by uh, special statute? Right. Either waive the 11th Amendment or sovereign immunity. Correct. Who, who do you... Uh, but, but may I ask what, why 1441C is relevant at all? I, I mean, I... Um, 
It seems to me 1441C didn't envision the reason for non-federal jurisdiction, which we have here. I'm sorry if I misspoke. I meant 1447C. I think that's what we were uh, referring okay. to. Okay. No, I and, thought there was some discussion about the about remanding the uh, the portions of the uh, uh, of the uh, uh, cause of action which uh, uh, which do not consist of uh, of federal claims to the state court. Correct. 1441C. I did not see as relevant either, okay. uh, and did not put in my brief. Uh, pages five and six um, cite the portions of 1441 A and B and 1447 C, which I believe to be relevant. Well, isn't C relevant to the extent that it establishes the fact that the district judge could have sent back, could have remanded the claims against the state, the official capacity claim? I believe that the the 1441 C addresses an an entirely different situation. Predominate. Um, And involves when there's a separable controversy, when there's not, that type of thing. (coughs) Whereas in this case, it's clear we had one single controversy, the firing of the respondent. Yeah, but we have a case, the Cohill case, which says that the the statute does not preclude a remand that isn't covered by the precise. These the statute covers must remand. It doesn't necessarily cover may remand. And that's the central point I'm trying to make, that the, this decision by the Seventh Circuit was wrong because it looked at what must occur as a matter of threshold jurisdiction, mixed together the discretionary issues, mixed together the Eleventh Amendment immunity jurisdictional issues. May I just clarify one thing in your position? Do you agree the district court could have remanded uh, uh, should have remanded the uh, claims against the state that are barred by the Eleventh Amendment in federal court. I, I do not believe they should have remanded it. I think they, what they should have done, if they had jurisdictional questions, which they surely did, looked at the issue, looked immediately at the 1983 definition, and said, "We don't have anything here against the state," and moved to the merits of the appeal. If they wanted to look at Eleventh Amendment immunity, then they could have said, "Well, that's fine," but that comes later in the jurisdictional analysis. Who do you represent? We represent the, the Wisconsin agency, the officials in their official capacity, but the primary motivation on removal was the officials in their individual capacity. All right, you represent them too. Absolutely. Fine. Then I took from your cert petition your basic point. Maybe you're being too subtle about it here, but I took your basic point to be from the cert petition that at least the Seventh Amendment was mistaken in ordering the personal claims sent back that they shouldn't, even if they're right about having the 11th Amendment claims sent back, that's just one claim or one set of claims in a multi-claim suit. And they can't say you have to send them all back. Wasn't that your basic claim before you even get into this? That is absolutely fundamental ground floor. Okay. Now, once you'd say we win on that, we have a separate argument. And the separate argument is they shouldn't have even sent back the state claim. And the reason for that is, if they'd looked at it for three minutes, they would have seen that the 11th Amendment part is irrelevant because you can't assert the 11th Amendment in defense to a claim that doesn't exist. That, and the claim doesn't exist because of your interpretation of 1983. Now, is that your argument? With this variation, yeah. 11th Amendment can bar those claims. It's simply unnecessary. It's unnecessary. There's an alternative ground. Exactly. All right. But your first argument is the main argument, and your second, I mean, and don't tell me I'm right if I'm not. I want to be certain I'm understanding this. Is that, if I've now stated what your argument is, basically? The first part is they shouldn't have sent the whole thing back. 
Yes. The second part is if we win on that one, they shouldn't have even sent the state part back. Correct. Okay. Well, but now, if, if, uh, if you have two grounds, one is the 11th Amendment and another is a ground of statutory construction, one is, uh, we've said, quasi-jurisdictional, and the other is simply an argument on the law, I would think that the 11th Amendment argument would prevail over the statutory construction argument. That would be the case except for this Court's decisions in Garangas v. Sanchez, in which it took up that definitional issue first over the strenuous objections of the dissent and uh, that wanted the immunity issues addressed first in Garangas. Was this post Steele Co.? It was not not post Steele (laughs) last month. (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, I thought Steele Co. was our last word. I thought we said you address, unsurprisingly, jurisdictional issues first. Correct. And in this and one, if you take the words of the Constitution, it says the judicial power of the United States shall not extend to any suit. So that, that sounds that there is no power over such a suit. How you would get to the 1983 person question if there is no power to do anything is a, a bit of a mystery. Um, which? Well, it's the same question. You okay. can answer, look at Thank either you. one of us. I don't care. All right. <laughs> in the Idaho case, the court looked at the words, and particularly the word extends in Article 3, and looked at the word extends in the 11th Amendment and said they seem similar. Yes, it must be the same thing. It's not. The 11th Amendment immunity has never been held to be a bar to jurisdiction over an action at the threshold. And that's what we're dealing with here. Yeah, because you could waive it. We we don't know whether it's that kind of bar until the state doesn't waive it. Correct. And, and also, it is a defense. It's waive, it can be waived, very difficult to waive it. It can be waived, and also it is, it is a defense. And in the removal setting particularly, as just noted in Ribbit, a defense, a removal jurisdiction is not determined based on a defense. Well, by, based on by failing to raise the 11th Amendment as a defense, uh, the, the, it may not be the same thing as a waiver, where you expressly renounce reliance on it. But, by, if you fail to raise the defense at any time during the proceedings, the, 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 the proceedings stand. That's it, it, it's not like a case where there simply was no subject matter jurisdiction. Absolutely correct, um, Chief Justice. And here you did raise it. We did raise it. We uh, uh, raised it again throughout, as is the case in most 11th Amendment cases where the court has addressed the issues. One, one part of this before you finish that I don't, I don't quite understand. Since you're so clear on the 1983 not a person argument, why didn't you over in the Wisconsin State Court say, Wisconsin State Court, get the state out of it. We're not a 1983 person. Then you'd have a clean suit that the individuals, that the defendants being sued in the individual capacity could remove. Because the removal decision must be made very promptly. The statute requires that it be made within um, I believe it's 20 or 30 days after you first learn of the lawsuit. You don't have time so to you, litigate in front of the state court, get rid of claims. So you say that, are you saying that the individuals would have been untimely if they didn't petition to remove until after the state was dismissed? Yes, if the case was not removable uh, at the time, then it might have been deferred. But to risk the fact that it was, quote-unquote, not removable by, re- by failing to remove at that time would have been um, a poor litigation decision. Okay. You made the right litigation decision, we'll assume. You removed. Now the 11th Amendment defense is raised. Why? Tell me, ex- explain at that point why the court is not bound to remand. Because 
the court had federal question jurisdiction over all of the claims. Under but it no longer has, if the 11th Amendment issue is correct, it no longer would have subject matter jurisdiction. Over one or two of the claims made in the case. Over, over, the, look, over, the, over the state and the official capacity defendants. It would no longer have subject matter jurisdiction over them, would it? We, it would have no longer have subject matter jurisdiction over the claims made against the state. However, that's because of a defense that's been interposed. The issue of original jurisdiction, the issue of removal jurisdiction, goes to the entire action. That's what the city of Chicago was talking about. The state law claims certainly weren't within the original jurisdiction. It was only when we had the... The point is, the point is, (laughs) removal was allowable initially. Mm -hmm. And once the state in federal court says, wait a minute, 11th Amendment as to state claims, then those claims could be remanded to the state court. And you can go deal with it back in state court. Leave the individual capacity claims in the federal court. Certainly. Isn't that adequate? I mean, doesn't that take care of everything? In this particular case, it's not going to make much difference. We can do it. We can go back to court. We can handle that. You can go back to state court and make your pitch on person. And we'll prevail. And why shouldn't that be done? In other words, why shouldn't it be done? Why shouldn't it be done? Because it mixes together the essential issues of jurisdiction removal and 11th Amendment immunity. If, in fact, the 11th Amendment immunity... Then back from it, and our colloquy before, you are saying because of the 11th Amendment, no court can deal with the 1983 person. We just get out. We just get out at the threshold. We take it out of the state court, put it into the federal court, and say, federal court, you dismiss, and then we're not subject to having that question decided by any court ever. And that's a very hard argument to make. I don't believe that's the result. We are asking that a federal court look at those issues and resolve them if, in fact, it's a dismissal without prejudice. But we're asking for 11th Amendment immunity. And as Justice Scalia has pointed out, at least after his recent decision, that would come first before you deal with the merits. If 11th Amendment immunity went to the jurisdiction of the court over an action, under Steele Company, it would always have to be addressed first. Always. The court would never... You say it's not jurisdiction. Since it can be waived, you say it's not jurisdictional. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. It is a jurisdictional issue. Jurisdiction is a word of many, too many meanings. But it's not subject matter jurisdiction. It doesn't go to jurisdiction over the action. It goes to jurisdiction over the particular claim. No, but you're back. I mean, your argument now is back to saying you cannot split them up. You're back to saying you cannot deal with the official action differently from the way you deal with the individual action. That's the premise of your answer that you just gave, isn't it? I don't believe it is, Your Honor. Then I don't understand. Jurisdiction over the action is the first question. Is this properly within the courthouse door? Second question. Let's look at the claims we have and the defenses and see what happens to those claims. In the city of Chicago, we have federal claims. Therefore, we have the case properly within the courthouse door. Next question. What do we have there? We have some state law claims as well. Well, as long as we've got federal question jurisdiction, we can look at those state law claims under pendant and ancillary jurisdiction. We couldn't have if there weren't any federal questions. Right. And this is unlike the city of Chicago because once the 11th Amendment issue is raised, you don't have the federal court does not have jurisdiction to adjudicate the state and the official capacity claims. So Chicago doesn't cover this. It doesn't. And you're saying, if I understand you, that with respect to the state and the official capacity claims, it was error to remand. Why was it error to remand? 
it was error to remand because the Seventh Circuit did it on a basis of lack of original jurisdiction, lack of removal jurisdiction. All right. Should, should they not have done the same thing on the basis of lack of subject matter jurisdiction? Not Article Three jurisdiction, maybe, but at least subject matter jurisdiction. Under 1447C? Yeah. That replies, again, as I read the cases, to jurisdiction over the action. You've lost jurisdiction over the entire action before the, uh, the case is, uh, is completed. Thank you, Mr. Moriarty. Uh, Mr. Lasker, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. <clears throat> Justice Souter, uh, I would like to begin by addressing your concern because I do believe that this case clearly uh, was handled correctly by the Seventh Circuit because once removed to federal court, the uh, state did immediately assert its Eleventh Amendment immunity, and there certainly the court lacked subject matter jurisdiction. Well, why couldn't the federal court retain the action and decide the individual capacity claims, remand the claims against the state, and there you are? Uh, I don't What's the think matter with that. I think the problem with that, Justice O'Connor, is that it doesn't pay respect to the statutes enacted by Congress that govern this. Uh, matter. I think it does entirely. And uh, the case was removable in the first instance, but once the 11th Amendment defense is asserted, then the federal court can remand so much of the case as deals with the 11th Amendment claims and keep the rest. Your Honor, I, I, I thought that was where the Seventh Circuit's decision appears questionable. Well, Your Honor, I, I do not agree that the uh, case was properly removed to begin with. I think that the court lacked original jurisdiction under 1441A. I think we have a very unique circumstance here, which, uh, as Justice Scalia pointed out, really hasn't been contemplated uh, by the explicit language of any one of these statutory provisions. This is a situation. Well, I, I, think, I think it fits. I mean, as long as if, if we don't know if the state is going to assert an 11th Amendment defense, and certainly the suit originally filed included Section 1983 claims against individuals in their individual capacity. So the whole thing could have been filed in federal district court as an original proposition. I believe that it could have been filed there only to give the federal court jurisdiction to determine that it lacked jurisdiction because of the 11th Amendment problem extant in, in the case as originally filed. Of course, the case was not filed in federal court, and that's essential to the, to the uh, case at bar. But uh, had the case been filed in federal court, I believe the federal court's jurisdiction would have only been to the extent of determining under Steel Company that it didn't, didn't have jurisdiction. No, I, that's where I disagree. It certainly had jurisdiction over the claims against the individuals in their individual capacity. Well, Your Honor, I, um, I would uh, say that Justice Ginsburg was correct in saying that what the state should have done in this situation, or which would have been the simple way out of the woods for this difficult problem that's presented here would have been for them to move to dismiss the claims that were uh, supposedly uh, improper claims, which were the only claims that presented the 11th Amendment problem. Then they would have been able to uh, remove yes, under 1440. Yes, I think Mr. Moriarty pointed out that the individuals might have been told you're too late to remove because the case was removable earlier. Perhaps that would be true, Justice Ginsburg. Uh, prior to the decision in this case. But this court will now reach a decision which will speak to all lawyers and judges and clarify this, this uh, difficult situation where What's we have federal claims that are 11. Well, is, is, it your, is it your position that, that 
the state could have moved, whether the Circuit Court of Dane County, they could have moved in, in that court to dismiss claims that were, would have been barred by the 11th Amendment in federal court? Yes, Your Honor. Certainly not on the grounds of the 11th Amendment. Uh, no, That's on, not binding on, the, on the grounds of their argument that we failed to state a claim under Section 1983. But once they had established that we'd failed to state a claim against the state or the state defendants in their official capacities, they could have removed. Well, but the, the, that, that's saying that you have to do what litigating you can in, in the state court. I, I don't know if that's faithful to the removal statute. I believe it's exactly what Congress intended, Your Honor. I think that Congress clearly intended that the sorting out of these matters be done in state Couldn't court. Couldn't have been so clear because you missed it. You never, you didn't resist the remand. Nobody ever thought of it till it got to the Seventh Circuit, right? That's true, Your Honor, and I'm quite an expert on the Eleventh Amendment since the cert petition was granted, <laughs> but I, I can't say that I was beforehand. But I don't understand. I mean, I must be maybe missing something obvious. Forget state court. Suppose I, a okay. plaintiff, feel my civil rights were infringed, and I want to sue a lot of people. So I march into the door of the federal district court, and I sue four policemen and the municipality, and I throw in a state official, and I add in his official capacity. So I have seven suits, seven claims in this suit. Yes. I would have thought, is there any law, any case, anything that says that I can't bring that lawsuit? In a federal district court, I, I thought that's garden variety. I thought it happens every day of the week uh, that people bring suits like that in the federal district court. And then, if the state happens to assert 11th Amendment as to its claim... At that point, maybe we dismiss that claim. But I'm, am I wrong about my garden well, variety I've, and the uh, uh, way this uh, civil rights law works? Because you do know a lot about that. Well, now that I've become an expert on yeah. the 11th Amendment, I, Forgetting I, do, the, yeah, I do believe that, uh, that the case you cite should not be accepted in the federal now, court. Now, is there any precedent anywhere uh, where a judge didn't accept such a case? I think this would have to become the case, Your Honor. So as far as we know, no, this would be historical to say that they can't have cases like that in federal district court. And your reason for saying that is? My reason for saying that is that the 11th Amendment, Your Honor, is in the Constitution at all times. And it is in the nature of a jurisdiction. But, bar Mr. Lasker, what about the federal rules of civil procedure, which says that you can add and drop parties any time? So you were wrong about naming the state or a state officer, you just drop that party. That if, if that party is dropped out, then the, then the bar to federal jurisdiction uh, would be gone, and then under 1446B, it could be removed to federal court. If well, Mr. Lasker, I thought City of Chicago was relevant in, in one respect in this case. It made clear that the existence of some properly stated federal claims suffices to make actions, civil actions, within the original jurisdiction of the district courts for purposes of removal. Some federal claims. I thought City of Chicago spoke to that, and so your argument rings hollow to my ear Thank you. on that point. <laughs> Thank you, because I, I really think that it's important to underscore that City of Chicago involved state claims that were attached under the, under the court's pendant or or, uh, it, it did not involve claims which would be potentially subject to an 11th Amendment immunity defense. Correct. It did not. But in principle, it's the same because unless and until the 11th Amendment is raised, it's okay. Well, Your Honor, uh, the, the uh, uh, difference between state claims state law claims and federal claims that may be barred under the 11th Amendment is a distinction that I think is important here. 
And, uh, but to certainly... deal with it by remanding the claims in which the 11th Amendment would cover it. That does not... Along with what's left. That does not pay homage, Your Honor, to the language of 1447C, which says that when the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction, the case shall be remanded. There's not authority to remand individual claims. And... Um, that, that's well, on reading that, that that's all. I mean, shall be remanded says when you fit this, then it must be remanded. It doesn't say that nothing else can be remanded. And the notion that somehow this case is, doesn't belong in federal court, even though the city of Chicago does, is, is staggering because here there's nothing but federal law. These are all there's no claim made under any law other than federal law, as I understand this complaint. But this fe- contains claims of federal law, Justice Ginsburg, some of which uh, uh, may not be brought in federal court, but all of which may be brought in state court. And um, Yes, but there's no exclusive venue. I mean, if, you, if you, you can say, yes, sometimes Congress lets people sue in state court if they want to, like the FELA, but nothing like that here. Yeah. The, uh, I guess I, I, you, you, you can bring a 1983 action in state court, can you not? Of course, yes. And, and uh, uh, this entire action was properly brought yeah, in state court. Yeah, but defendants in 1983 actions can remove them to federal court as defendants in FELA cases could not because their Congress says not only can you bring it in state court, but it can't be removed if you bring it there. Your Honor, I think what... What I'm recommending to this court is that you announce a doctrine in handling this case that is that is uh, true to the unambiguous language of the statutes, that is that honors the principles of federalism under the 11th Amendment and Article 3, and that applies a doctrine that is efficient and simple to understand for lawyers and judges, and that, I submit to you, is exactly what the Seventh Circuit did. And, and I take it that as, as part of this clarification, you're are going to uh, stick with your answer that you gave to Justice Breyer. He said, forget state court. You go into federal court with all of these claims, one of the, which is barred by the 11th Amendment, six of which are, are good federal claims. As I understood your answer to the question, you said the entire case must be dismissed. And then Justice Ginsburg said, well, what about the federal rules of civil procedure? And you said, well, what the state court does is, is to sort things out. But that was avoiding the hypothetical. The hypothetical was just the federal court. So it seemed to me that you, 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 you didn't answer correctly when you responded to Justice Ginsburg's suggestion. And I want to know if, as part of this overall clarification, you're suggesting that we say if there's one cause of action over which a federal court, forget the state court, this is initially a final in the United States District Court, if there is one cause of action over which there's an 11th Amendment uh, jurisdictional uh, problem, 11th Amendment jurisdictional bar, the entire case must be dismissed. Well, I... I that, that is, you have absolutely no authority for that proposition. I don't have a case to cite for that proposition, and this case does not raise those facts, of course. But, and, and the but federal I rules of civil procedure are against you. Your Honor, uh, the, the, the fact is that we're dealing here with a, uh, a hybrid type of case that is not, uh, has not been addressed four square uh, before in, in any situation that I'm aware of, and that is a case where you have federal claims that are not barred by the 11th Amendment coupled with federal claims well, that are barred by the Well, but these cases happen all the time, all the time. It's just because of, of, of the rather unusual step taken by the Seventh Circuit that we have it here. Your Honor, uh, I believe that on behalf of my client, uh, I had a right as the plaintiff's counsel to file this case in state court, which is how this question comes here from the Seventh Circuit. 
And um, I can understand that part of it, and, and that's what this case is. This is a removal case. But the, the case that, that I put to you, and Justice Kennedy just recalled, of an initial proceeding in federal court with some defendants, why would it be any different than if you filed a diversity suit and you had one non-diverse defendant and there was a motion to dismiss for lack of subject matter jurisdiction? You say, fine, I dropped the non-diverse defendant. Why is this any different? As an, initial, as an initial matter? Because I don't think that Congress intended to bifurcate the, the litigation in that fashion. I think that piecemeal removal... Uh, uh, no, forget removal. We're in right. federal court with a complaint that includes the state and individuals. Yes. And there is a motion to dismiss the state on 11th Amendment grounds. Isn't that all that would be dismissed? If you, in other words, you have this case originally in federal court. The state gets out when it moves to dismiss on 11th Amendment ground. The other defendants don't. I suppose the answer to that question would be yes, and that, that does uh, yeah. then uh, draw the importance of the fact that this case arises out of my choice to sue in state court. And the, and the defendant's uh, procedural maneuver that was uh, disapproved of in this case and that was of concern to the Seventh Circuit and Francis J that uh, the, the defendants remove a case of that sort from f state court to federal court really for the purpose of separating the prospective relief claims from the uh, Well, then you, your argument should address why it should be different on removal than it would have been if the case were originally filed in federal court, perhaps okay. pointing to some statutory language. Well, some statutory language that, that somehow overrules the extant statutory language, which says uh, that uh, any... Uh, civil action brought in the state court of which the district courts of the United States have original jurisdiction may be removed. So we need a statute that somehow undoes that, which you've conceded that it could have been brought in the United States district court. Well, the statute that disposes of this case is 1447C. But it's critical to your position, as I understand it, that if there is an 11th Amendment defense potentially available to one of the defendants, that the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction. That's my position, Justice Stevens. And, and that we have not yet held. That's correct. Yeah. And that would be true as in an original filing under federal court, in federal court, surely just as true as if the action were removed from state court. I believe it would, but I think that that would uh, deal with the kind of case that we've got here in the most efficient way. You're, you're changing your answer then. I, I mean, I, I think if you oh. give away that uh, the, the, the answer to... Justice Ginsburg's and Justice Breyer's question of what would have happened had this suit been originally brought in, in, in uh, district court, I think your case is, is gone. You, you have to defend the position that this action would not have been originally bringable in a federal court. I do assert that it, that it should not have been accepted under the court's original jurisdiction. And I, I say that whether I'm right about that or not, Justice Scalia, certainly when the, when the state asserted its 11th Amendment defenses in federal court, then clearly under 1447C, the federal court lacked subject matter jurisdiction and was right to send the entire case back, not just, not just the... the uh, can, can, can I, I'm trying to find some authority for you. I mean, here, you got another shot at this from the Seventh Circuit, so I don't blame you at all for defending this. But I'm trying to think of the authority uh, uh, that might support you is there any authority in the following proposition? I now go to the federal district court and I file my claim, which I have my four defendants, lots of federal law, and one of my 19 claims, one of them, there is no subject matter jurisdiction over, for whatever set of reasons, 
Forget the 11th Amendment. Is there any authority when that situation arises? I would have thought all that happens is they dismiss that claim and proceed with the rest. But is there any authority for the proposition that you have to dismiss the whole thing? No, not that I'm aware of. All right, now to take them, is there any authority for the proposition that when you remove such a case from the state court to the federal court, you have to dismiss the whole thing, i.e., you couldn't remove it? No, there isn't, but... uh, I think you're on a tough ground. My answer to you is correct, but I again have to to ask you not to hang me on my answer to that question. No, no, I wouldn't because, because, I mean, you you say, well, this will be quite simple. I'm I'm not sure it would be simple. Uh, There are a lot of cases, you know, where you don't quite know whether this is a state official, not a state official, official capacity, not official capacity. Everybody gets mixed up and they have huge arguments and the whole case would have to be sent back to another court. Uh, That's worrying me. I, I suppose one of the things that's wrong is that the, the state, uh, by a, a, quite a sensible rule, it seems to me, uh, should be deemed to have waived its 11th immunity, Amendment immunity the minute it consents to the removal. But that's not our law either. No, it doesn't seem to be, Your Honor. So that's the situation we're stuck with. Mr. Lasko, you have a statement in your brief that, that um, the state was not immune from suit in state court. Isn't there a sovereign immunity doctrine that's applicable? In the state court, I mean. Uh, well, it, it, uh, there is a, a sovereign immunity s- statute in the state court for state claims. I'm not sure exactly where in my brief you're referring to. Um, top of page 9, you say that um, the Seventh Circuit held district court lacked original jurisdiction because petitioners were immune from suit in the federal court. And then you add, although they were not immune from suit in state court. Of course, they don't have 11th Amendment immunity. That's what I was referring to. Most states. States have their own sovereign immunity doctrine, don't they? They do, but I was, I was, uh, uh, but the the state immunity is, uh, I believe, abrogated by um, by Section 1983. Although uh, a state is not a person under Section 1983, since will. What I was talking about, however, is that the action, as it was brought, would have been uh, within the jurisdiction of the state court and was not within this jurisdiction of the federal court for the reason of the existence of the 11th Amendment. There isn't something like a Wisconsin um, Tort Claims Act that would allow a wrongful discharge case to be brought against the state? I do have a theory, Your Honor, that I seek to assert in the state court upon remand that uh, we do have a claim under the Wisconsin Constitution that would not be barred by the state doctrine of sovereign immunity. Is your... Are the circuit courts in Wisconsin courts of general jurisdiction yes, where the, you don't have limitations of subject matter the way you do in the federal court? That's correct. Mr. Lasker, what, what prevents us from holding that when, when, when a state uh, removes or consents to removal of a case into federal court, it, uh, it waives its 11th Amendment objection? I just, I don't know that anything stands in the way of that except stare decisis. I think that uh, uh, the Feeney case and, and other uh, cases that are cited in the brief uh, do stand for the proposition that the waiver has to be an explicit uh, act of the sovereign state and not just something that happens uh, because of a st- strategic decision by an assistant attorney. Well, I, mean, I mean, isn't it clear that when you say, I want to be in federal court, you mean I want to be in federal court? Well, it would seem clear to me, Your Honor, but I don't think that that's ever been considered to be a proper waiver of the state's 11th Amendment immunity. We wouldn't have any of these troubles if that, uh, if that were the rule. Perhaps not. 
If it were, then maybe Mr. Moriarty could not have removed the case because he said that under state law, they have no authority, the state AG has no authority to waive the 11th Amendment. And I'm, and I'm not an authority that, on that, doesn't it? That if that's true, then it was clear even before the removal, because of the state law situation, that there would never have been jurisdiction in the federal court over part of the case. Because, they, because it's foreordained. It is not optional, as your opponent suggests, that they may or may not waive it. The law of Wisconsin required him to assist his, assert his 11th Amendment jurisdiction, and therefore, following the reasoning of the Seventh Circuit, they had to send the whole case back. They could not accept the removal because there was a jurisdictional bar. I, I say that. Which I say that. On here. <laughs> well, I do say that uh, that, that the uh, case that the case should not have been accepted into federal court until the state court had sorted out the. Uh, because as a matter of Wisconsin law, court. it's clear that the federal court never have it could have taken jurisdiction of the claim against the state. As a matter of Wisconsin law, which they would have to honor, that they could not waive the Eleventh Amendment defense. Well, I, I don't know that Wisconsin law is, as Mr. Moriarty asserts, I, I'm going to accept his word on that, but I don't think it would be difficult for the state to, to waive and get a statute to and act it by the, 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 the federal court would have had jurisdiction if the state had simply uh, processed its removal and made no objection on 11th Amendment grounds. It doesn't, it doesn't have to waive in the sense of affirmatively renouncing. It can simply do nothing in the 11th Amendment defense's way. Uh, I think that's at least clear in determining the application of 1447C to the facts of this case. Um, uh, however, I, I am arguing that uh, I think the problem exists in, in the case of uh, whether the court has original jurisdiction under 1441A and that the best rule would be to uh, require that the state court dismiss any claims that would otherwise be barred in the 11th Amendment before removal could occur. If there are no further questions, then I'll, I'll sit down. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Lasker. The case is submitted.